Salvete omnes, welcome to the AP Latin Podcast. The goal of this podcast will be to cover the lines from Caesar's De Bello Gallico and Virgil's Aeneid that are found on the AP Latin curriculum. Each two-part episode will cover a selection of lines from Caesar and Virgil. I will present the Latin and English of the text, providing relevant clarification, background, and cultural information that will help put the readings in their proper context. I encourage you to read along with me as you listen to the Latin and to use the English as a way to check your understanding rather than relying on the English for understanding. Each episode will conclude with some essential questions to consider as you process through the meaning of the text. Parati, eamos. AP Latin Podcast, Episode 9A, De Bello Gallico, Book 4, Chapters 34 to 36. In this episode, you will learn that Caesar is basically Gandalf, and you will see two rather anticlimactic conclusions. Quibus rebus perturbatis nostris, novitate pugnae, tempora opportunissimo caesar auxilium tulit. Namque eos adventu hostes constiterunt, nostri se ex timore recaperunt, quo facto ad lecessendum hostem et ad committendum proelium alienum esse tempus arbitratus suo ex loco continuit, et brevi tempora intermisso in castra legiones reduxit. Dum haec geruntur, nostris omnibus occupatis, qui erant in agris reliqui discisserunt, secutae sunt continuos complures dies tempestates, quae et nostros in castris contenerent, et hostem a pugna prohiberunt. Interim barbari nuntios in omnes partes demiserunt, paucitatemque nostrorum militum suis predicaverunt, et quanta praedae faciendae atque in perpetuum sui liberandi facultas daretur, si Romanus castris expulisent, demonstraverunt. His rebus, celeriter magna multitudine peditatus equitatusque coacta, ad castra venerunt. Caesar, et si idem quod superioribus diebus acciderat, fore videbat, ut, si essent hostes pulsi, celeritate periculum effugerent, tamen noctus equites circiter triginta, quos comios atribas, de quo ante dictum est secum transportaverat, legiones in acie procastris constituit. Comisso proilio, diutius nostrorum militum impetum hostes fera non potuerunt, ac terga verterunt. Quos tanto spatio secuti quantum cursu et viribus efficera potuerunt, complures ex eis occiderunt, Deinde omnibus longe lateque aedificiis incensis, se in castra recaperunt. Eodem die legati ab hostibus missi ad caesarem de pace venerunt. With our men disturbed by these things, because of the novelty of the fight, at a very opportune time Caesar brought aid, for at his arrival the enemy stopped, our men recovered themselves from fear. Having judged the time to be averse from provoking the enemy and committing to battle, he held himself in his place and after a short time had interrupted, he led the legions back into the camp. While these things were being done, because all of our men were engaged, the rest who were in the fields departed. There followed continuous storms for several days, which both contained our men in camp and prevented the enemy from battle. In the meantime, the barbarians sent out messengers into all parts and proclaimed to their own people the shortage of our soldiers and demonstrated how much opportunity was being given for making plunder and of liberating themselves in perpetuity, if they could drive the Romans from their camp. By these things, after a great multitude of foot soldiers and cavalry had been quickly gathered, they came to the camp. 
Caesar, although he saw that it would be the same thing that had happened on the previous days, that if the enemy were driven back they would flee the danger by speed, nevertheless, having obtained around thirty cavalry, whom Commius Atrabas, about whom it was spoken earlier, had brought with himself, he stationed the legions in a battle line in front of the camp. After the battle was engaged, the enemy were not able to endure the attack of our soldiers for very long and turned their backs, who having followed them for as great a space as they were able to accomplish by running and strength, they killed very many of them. Then after all the buildings far and wide had been burned, they took themselves back into the camp. On that same day, legates sent from the enemy came to Caesar about peace. So on one hand, because of all the build-up we've had leading up to the events in this section, Caesar's rescue in the fields is rather anticlimactic. If you were watching a modern movie about these events, or if Caesar were writing this account as a completely fictionalized version of his campaign, then you would probably expect the two separate battles to be combined into one epic fight where the Roman soldiers have been ambushed and are being overrun by the enemy, and then, just when the good guys are about to be defeated, the commander of the 7th Legion would remember Caesar's parting words to him. Look to my coming on the first light of the fifth day. When all hope seems lost, look to the east. And at that moment, the epic music would swell dramatically, and some of the Roman soldiers would stop and point and cry out, and Caesar himself would appear at the top of a ridge, silhouetted by the rising sun and rearing up on a white horse. And charging down the hill with the rest of the Roman reinforcements behind him, the seventh would renew their strength, quickly rout the enemy and put them to flight, and the battle would end with Caesar looking across the field to the weary commander of the seventh and giving him a silent nod of respect for a job well done. But Caesar can't totally fictionalize what actually happened, so that's not what we get. And since he didn't finish the battle that day, he has to report that he didn't finish the battle that day and that they went back to camp because he didn't think it was a good time to attack. And since they got hindered by several days of bad British weather and couldn't fight, he has to report that as well. On the other hand, Caesar does use those events to build up even more opposition against his forces, because the bad weather allowed the Britons to gather a large army, and after the weather had cleared, to march on the Roman camp with huge numbers. So now the Romans are even more outnumbered, and still without any cavalry beyond the thirty horses that Commius had brought over with him. But Caesar isn't even worried. In fact, he reports that he expected the same outcome that had happened previously, that the enemy would run away as soon as things got dangerous for them, and that the Romans, absent cavalry, would not be able to pursue them and actually finish the fight. Nevertheless, despite still being outnumbered and undersupplied, and without any cavalry to speak of, he forms his battle line outside of the camp and the fight begins. But Caesar makes the encounter happen so fast that there's virtually no battle to be had. The implication here is that the Britons can only win by sneaky and dishonorable tactics like ambushing soldiers who don't have their weapons with them. And even doing that, they don't really win, because they run away at the first sign of trouble, which they do here as well. But the Romans decide they've had enough, so when the Britons turn and run, the Romans chase them down as far as they physically can on foot, killing as many of the enemy as they can and burning everything along the way. So when they finally return to camp, the Britons send ambassadors about peace, and we are right back where we started after the beachhead landing. In the final few sections that end Book 4, Caesar immediately returns to the continent, not wanting to spend any more time in Britain with his men and supplies in such a bad state and with winter approaching. And upon returning, they are immediately ambushed by the Morini, a tribe that Caesar had left pacified before heading into Britain. Some soldiers are surrounded, and after a four-hour valiant defense by the Romans, Caesar dramatically comes to the aid of his surrounded men, and the Romans, of course, win the battle. 
Caesar then spends some time making mention of the actions of a few of his commanders, Titus Labienus, Quintus Titurius Sabinus, and Lucius Arunculeus Cata, who finished the mop-up after the attack by burning all the Marini's fields and towns, and who will play a big role in Book 5 coming up next. As we close out the episode, here are some essential questions to consider. Why did Caesar decide not to press the battle after the enemy fled? How might Caesar have known what the British messengers were proclaiming? The Britons talk of liberating themselves. Do you think that the Romans would have understood or empathized with natives who wanted to remain independent from Roman influence? Even though Caesar states that he doesn't think there will be a decisive outcome to the battle, he still engages with the Britons outside the Roman camp. Why do you think that Caesar chose to engage in another battle? What is the importance of impressions or appearances to Caesar's decision to face the Britons rather than to stay inside of the fortified camp? How do the Romans finally put down the last remnants of British resistance? Do you feel that this was a use of excessive force against the British, or was it necessary to end the uprising? How does Caesar use the rather anticlimactic nature of the battles to emphasize Roman superiority to the British army? Gratias ago pro auscultando, valete. <laughs>